got Andrew Ferguson uh, on. I'm going to be speaking to him about his uh, journey uh, with Wing International. Now, Wings International is an international company that uh, predominantly works in the Caribbean. Is that right, Andrew? Yes, yes. I started off shipping to the Caribbean first. Um, um, I got to um, get to know about the Caribbean market through a friend. Um, I, I'm based here in the UK and out of Avonmouth, Bristol. It's an in international docks. Um, and I got made redundant or I was being made redundant from ESSO. I used to deliver fuel to the petrol stations and uh, I've been in transport for a long time and I was talking to someone and they said oh um, something about shipping and I said what do you mean and he explained that there's a couple of companies and they're not doing it right so I had a colleague I wasn't very familiar with shipping but I was familiar with um, transport um, picking up pallets everything's done on a pallet and it's distributed about the country. So I had a colleague and he researched the information for me because I asked him to look into it because I wasn't um, that way inclining research because I didn't know what words to put in Google to find out. Um, so what I did, I asked him to have a look on it and he had a look on it and he said the only way you can be better than anybody else is guaranteed a weekly service. So I said, fine. So hence the name Wings, which stands for West Indies Non-Stop Guaranteed Service. That's what it stands for. That's why it's called Wings International because I'm international. And that's how it stemmed from there. And that's how the journey started. Um, uh, my colleague contacted a few shipping lines, um, like to sort of say, how can we, because um, everything is go gone, it goes into containers. Um, but how you have to look on it, to the Caribbean, containers go every week. It's like having a lorry going to Bristol and London every week or every couple of days. So it's the same principle within shipping. There is a cargo ship going to the Caribbean every day. And all you need to do is just find out what container is going to that island because they'll have, I don't, on average, just say they'll have, I don't know, 50 containers a day um, going in at the ports. So as long as you know which containers are what companies, you can always guarantee a weekly service to the Caribbean because you know what's going on. So I started off um, like that. In the beginning, nobody doesn't tell you anything. You have to learn it yourself. You learn your mistakes, know what you can do and what you can't do. In the beginning, um, I started to do the barrels, which is... Um, most Caribbean people, uh, they put stuff in a barrel, um, like one of those jerk pans, or you can get them the same size in plastic or metal. So they're put in seasonings, food, clothing, and they're shipped to their families in the Caribbean. Um, it's the cheapest method, and you can put ample stock in that barrel for a family to um, sort of survive with the different seasonings, you know, tomato sauce, whatever, biscuits and stuff like that. So every three months, sometimes you'll get a family sending down. So then I started to look into it a little bit deeper and I realized that people liked my service um, because it was going weekly. Like I said, there was some other companies and it wasn't getting down there quick enough. So I realized that as long as I can keep this up, then it was, it was okay. And I kept it up. So, and I started to get a lot more people contacting me and said, oh, you do a weekly service to the car. And I said, yes, all the islands, St. Kitts, Jamaica, Barbados, 
all of them, mainly on my website, wingsinternational.co.uk. There's 12 islands, but in the Caribbean, I think there is 27. Um, some of the islands come under different rules. Um, although uh, mainly some of the Caribbean islands are Commonwealth, some of the other islands come under American rules. Although the Caribbean might be the Caribbean, but the seas around belong to either the, the uh, Commonwealth or the US. And each rules are different from the others and you need to understand those rules and which I got to understand. So that's how it all started. Um, then I started to um, get into it a little bit more deeper because it started to get a bit more serious where you have to know the rules and the regulations. It's all right sending a barrel with people's items and then you'll get people sending, um, say, paints, tools and things like that. But there's different rules for paints and tools, which in the beginning you don't know, but because like I said, nobody doesn't tell you anything. And then you have to find out. As for paints, which I didn't understand, you've got water-based and you've got oil-based paints. One is ADR, one is normal. ADR, it comes under chemicals. In other words, uh, with the uh, oil-based ones, if it's mixed with water, then it can cause a lot of damage. So that's why you have the two sets of rules. So that's why you have to understand with the customers that you have to explain to them why you shouldn't do certain things because it comes under rules and regulation. It's all right saying, oh, it's just one tin, but one tin can cause a lot of trouble if it breaks and it seeps out and seeps into another container and it contaminates something else. And then you have issues and that can cause a lot of damage on a ship. Um, and so you have to be careful then. And then um, it started to get more, um, more professional as I went, uh, went along because people were asking me about crates, you know, um, you know, put their items in because People were wanting to start to send um, washing machines and fridges and things like that, and it was, and it was getting a lot. And I and I was amazed in the amount of people who was contacting me about shipping to the Caribbean. And then um, I needed more space because when I first started, I started in my um, people carrier. I used to drop the barrels off to London. In my people carrier, I could carry, I think it was seven at a time. Uh, so it wasn't too bad, but then I couldn't do that each week. So I had to go and look about transport and then I got a Luton van. And then in a Luton van, I can carry uh, 15. But then the volume started to get more. And then I started to freight forward it up to London, to the docks, to put in the container. And then I realized that I was, I was given a lot of companies, a lot of work. And I thought to myself, because I've been in transport, I used to, I've been doing it all my life. I thought, why am I giving them so much work if I can do it all myself? So then I contacted a few companies and they said, yeah, they can do it for me X amount of price. So I realized that, uh, peak times I can forward it up to the docks um, to get it up there and so then I wouldn't spend so much time and energy doing it all myself and then um, then after that I kind of streamlined the business that I put certain things in place that every time I pick up a barrel pick up people's item I would itemize it get the um, find out what the commodity code is so I can fill in the customs decoration and then it was easier and then because you have to provide more information the more in information you provide is the better service you can give the customers because you can do a lot of it yourself and that's what I was doing and uh, and um, yeah, it was it was an interesting 
journey in the beginning. Um, and it stemmed from there. It's, it, it's been hard. It's, it's not easy. To, um, transport is, is, is a unique business. Most companies do two things. Are the shipping and storage, shipping and transportation. You don't get many do all three. In other words, shipping, transportation and storage and admin. You, you, you won't get them doing all those things one time. The reason why I'm so unique to a lot of customers what phone me, I give them more information in what they need to know. Most companies won't do that. They tend to, this is what the price is. And some of them don't have that customer care because they don't have the time. When you're working for a big multinational, they're not social workers. All they just want to do is pick up the goods and deliver it to the Caribbean. What I try to do is give you that added insurance. In other words, this is the information you need. Make sure you do this, this and that so that to get your goods there. So when I come to pick it up or even if another company picks it up, at least I've provided you the information to help you on your journey. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's so fascinating, Andrew. I mean, I've, you know, my parents are from the Caribbeans and uh, I remember growing up uh, when my mom used to send over a barrel you know, so they would work and obviously have to, uh, you know, so they would pack it up with, um, you know, lots of food, tin items at the bottom. So there's different, and so, and so the soft um, things uh, at the top. And, uh, you know, people really valued uh, getting a barrel, isn't it? And almost looking forward to, to getting the barrel. But I always wondered, well, you know, how did it actually get there? Because it's, it's such a long way from the UK to the Caribbeans. It's, it's like one one end of the world to, to the other, isn't it? Yes, it, 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 it's it's a, um it's kind of a complicated journey, really. It's just that the public don't ask questions about it, but it is a complicated journey, and and this is how it starts off. It starts off first the family member, whoever buying a barrel, so they have to buy the barrel, then they have to go out and buy the stuff for that island because each island have different products and different rules. So it's just take, um, it's just take Barbados for instance. So in Barbados, uh, the seasonings might not be expensive, but the honey, the coffee and the biscuits is. So each island has their own um, unique why the families want the stuff delivered. So I'll just talk in general on, you know, how it really works. So they'll pick up, go and buy what they need to buy for the family in their islands. And then they'll phone a company and say, how much is it to ship to the Caribbean? And like I said, each islands have different rates. Then I will go there, look at their barrel and kind of advise them because you can put as much as you can in that barrel as long as the lid closes and you can put a seal on them. I've had customers put engines in them, take the engines apart and put them in barrels. So it's not just food and it's, it's engines, it's anything what can fit in a barrel. So they'll put it all in. Every space of that barrel is used up because um, sometimes that stuff in the barrel can last for at least six months. So if you're sending two barrels or three barrels, that is lasting very, you know, a bit of time. So it's- it's, so it's not based on weight, Andrew, because I sometimes, I, I think I've phoned companies in the past when I've been trying to send a barrel and they said, sometimes it's actually based on weight, but you're saying that's not the case. No. It's based on whether or not you can actually close the barrel or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not based on weight. I don't know why other companies do it um, by weight. I, I don't know, uh, you know, but it's not based on weight. As long as you can close that lid and put a seal on it, 
then it goes. So it don't make no difference. And on average, I don't know, it's to say an engine, um, it's, I don't know, it's, um, what's that, a quarter of a ton? Um, so it doesn't really make no difference because it's done by uh, 0.3 of a meter. A barrel is 0.3 of a meter. So it's done like that. So they're pack it, close the lid. I will come and pick it up. I will drop it up to the docks. Uh, it depends where it's going. If it's going to Portsmouth, it's going to London. It's out of Portsmouth, London. And sometimes if it's bigger items, it might go to Southampton. It depends which island is going to in the Caribbean. And then it's gone on to the journey, gone into a container. That container is it it's, um, goes down into Europe because what happens is you don't have ships going straight from the UK to the Caribbean. In the early days, yes, but not now. The Chinese have built all these big, massive super liners where you can get 20,000 or 30,000 containers on a ship. So everything goes down to either Holland or Hamburg, which is Germany. It's all gone down there, gone on the quayside, and then you get these big superliners um, coming in, and you're putting X amount of containers on that ship, and it sells down to South America first, and then it sells up to all the countries, to the Caribbean, into America, pick up from America, then back over to Europe. So it's a continuous circle going around the world. Um, it's a fascinating journey because there's no um, there's no video of it at the moment, but you know that's in the pipeline. But it's very fascinating to see see it done. I I had no idea um, actually that. Um you know, a barrel gets picked up. Uh, so you're saying if the barrel, let's say, uh, if a barrel was going to Jamaica, does it have to leave a certain port so that it can board a particular ship? Is that yes, right? Yes. Yeah. For Jamaica, everything comes out of London Gateway for Jamaica. So it go to London Gateway. The containers will go there. And then it's put onto a ship. So uh, uh, because the UK, certain ships can come to the UK, but the big Chinese ones can only, I think they can only dock in Southampton. So that's obviously an issue. I know that there, there's plans to make London Gateway a bigger terminal. So they're put on certain ship sizes, at London Gateway, then it's sailed down into Europe. Hamburg is the port. And then they'll drop off, I don't know, say 200 containers. And that's done on a, a weekly basis. So technically, you'll have 200 um, containers going from uh, the UK down to Hamburg. And then it goes on to the big super ones. And then it's sailed around uh, South America and up to the Caribbean. Uh, there is plans. Uh, oh, so it goes, um, around the South, it goes around South America then. So it goes round South America. Is it because there's a particular route that the ship has to travel before it yes. can go and dock into the Caribbean? Yeah, so what happens, these big superliners, so uh, I haven't got the map in front of me, but if you look on it, it'll go down to um, this side of the Caribbean. So it would go to South America on that side of the Caribbean and go, I think it's Venezuela or on that side of the coast. Mm -hmm. And then it'll go those um, countries first, then sail up, then start um, docking at some of the Caribbean islands. Um, it don't go to all the islands because some of the islands can't take some of the big ships. So for instance, uh, Barbados has got a big port and St. Vincent's have a, a big port. So some of the smaller islands like St. Kitts, and 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 St. Kitts and Grenada. Uh, so they would drop off, and it's technically like putting you it's like having an Arctic come into say Bristol and then going on to a smaller um, vehicle to go to Bath because the village is not um, big enough for the Arctic. So it's the same with the, with the ships. Um, and that's how it's done. Um, so, yes, they go to all the islands, but sometimes it depends what size the ships is, because they are massive. Uh, 
very massive ships. Mm. So do they, so how, I suppose it's quite fascinating because I'm trying to figure out how do they know when they're loading the containers, which container belongs to, to who? Is there like a code system? You know, yes. how, you know, how do they know which containers to take off at which port and, and the whole logistics of the whole thing, really? Yes. Um, every container has a number, um, um, is a number. So the first four uh, letters or letters, then is numbers. It's like, it's like a number plate. So if I'm sending a, um, an, a container to um, Jamaica, there'll be a number on that container. So for instance, to say it said ABC1234. So the shipping line knows that that container is going to Jamaica. So when I drop it down to the port, they'll take the number of the container and it's then, then there's another um, number put on it for the shipping line to know that this container, so you would, uh, they would know what the number is. So it'd be put on one side of the port. So it's like a stacking system. So they'll stack, I don't mm -hmm. know, say a hundred containers on the right-hand side and all those are going to Jamaica and all of those um, containers will have a, a number and a code. So when the um, cranes pick it up, they would have scanned the number. It's like a barcode. They would have scanned it and say, oh yeah, this one is going to Kingston, Jamaica or it's going to Barbados um, um, uh, or Montego Bay in, in Jamaica. So you would have the main port in Jamaica uh, is Kingston. So most of it will go there and then the other ones will go around to uh, Montego Bay. So there's a barcode telling the shipping line, pick this one up and this is going there. So every container on a superliner has a barcode. That's what it, that's how that, you do the so Andrew, can I ask then, when you have a container, before you, yeah. uh, so do you tend to fill up one container with all um, your customers' uh, barrels or crates and, and different things together? Is that how you do it? And then that, then that goes on to the big liners to get shipped over uh, to the relevant countries? Yes, yeah, so what I do, yes, I fill a container every week going to, I'll just stick with Jamaica, going to Jamaica. So I can I can fill a container uh, every week um, with all customers items from all over the country. So, because you've got to remember is that when it goes to um, Jamaica, whether they're doing a door-to-door -door service, in other words, us picking it up from the docks, dropping it off, or they're coming down to pick it up themselves, it's two different services. So yes, we send that to uh, Jamaica every week. Some of the other islands, because um, of the volumes, is every two weeks. So that would either be a 40-foot container or a 20-foot container. But every two weeks, the other islands will be receiving a container. So what we do on our website is give you a estimated time of arrival and a cutoff date. So like today, I dropped off everything to do with um, St. Kitts, St. Vincent, Barbados, and um, uh, Montego Bay, because Montego Bay is every two weeks. So I've dropped all that off because then it'll get there within the next three weeks. So it's always within a month of picking it up and dropping it to a docks. I always tell everybody, if you allow for a month, then within that, uh, by the end, so if you dropped it off to me at the first, or I pick it up at the first of the month, by the end of the month, your family will be having a phone call to say, yes, come and pick up your barrel because it technically takes a month. By the time you pick it up, sells down to a, Hambrook, then uh, to the Caribbean. It's usually three weeks, three weeks, two days. But if you just say a month, then within a month, you're picking up your barrel. I mean, the logistics of it is so fascinating, isn't it? From the, from, from the, the, the first part of the person deciding, right, well, I want to fill a barrel 
And does it, I mean, does it make a difference? Because there's, there's many, many uh, barrels out there. Um, does it make a difference as to what type of barrel you should buy right at the very beginning in terms of and what you're filling that barrel up with? Yes. Well, yes. What I say to people is this. Uh, it, 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 it's to say the UK. In the UK, we don't have... We don't have use for certain things, but in the Caribbean, they do have usage. Now, I always uh, suggest to people to buy plastic barrels, right? Because with the plastic barrel, there's two things you can do with it. You can um, use it for water or you can use it for storage because it doesn't rust. With metal barrels, technically, it's a one journey because once it gets at the other end, all right, you can make a jerk pan with it. But in the Caribbean, that's a standard thing anyway. So you don't need a metal barrel. But with the plastic barrels, you can do a lot more. You can use it for the water, um, put it on your roof for rainwater, watering plants. You can um, grow plants and things like that in, in the barrel uh, with irrigation for the water to come in and out with metals you can't do that because it rusts the other thing with the plastic um barrels is people put, keep them in their houses for um storage in like storing rice and things like that because they're you know you won't get no insects or anything like that uh, getting into the barrel because they've got a lit a lid and with uh, with the barrels uh, plastic barrels you can always get a tap and um screw in a tap and then you're using it for rainwater or um, water for the gardens. Um, yeah. There's some good other things you can do with the barrels as well. There's many projects you can you can make little small boats out of them for floating and things like that. So you know, you, there's a lot more you can do with a plastic barrel than what you can do with a, a, a metal barrel. A lot more. You have, yeah. I think, you have at least thirty options. Well, I would never have thought about that, Andrew, you know, um, in terms of what, you know, so reusing and repurposing the barrels, because, you know, when we first talked, you, you talked about how you started your business that uh, you got made redundant. And yes. um, so was it difficult when you first started? Did you know that you wanted to be in the transportation business? Is that where, you know, because transport's all about movement, isn't there? There's this constant movement happening. And I think... But since the COVID has, has happened and people getting their goods and services um, because we can't go to the shops has become more and more important, hasn't it, as, as time has gone yes, on? it has. I When I was, um, I've always been in the transport industry. I've been in it 25 odd years. I've always been and I've always, I've always loved those um, journeys down country roads for 10 20 minutes an hour and they're fascinating going to different um areas and i've always been a driver so when i got into the industry i i loved the driving and when i got made redundant i didn't i always knew i wanted to do transport but in the beginning i didn't know what to do because i wanted to get into a little bit more into the petrol side of it because i had the hgv and the chemical license my ADR and I, but when I was looking into it, it was it was a bit expensive, like the insurance, this and that. But because I knew transport, and I knew I knew a lot of managers because when I we all started off together. Most of us all start off as drivers. Then you move upstairs into the office. I didn't go into the office. What I did, I just stayed driving and just kind of built up a portfolio. When I used to go places, I used to say, I would go somewhere and I would see recycling stuff. And I would speak to a manager and said, oh, is that going for sale or whatever? And they would say, yeah, we'll just get rid of it and blah, blah. So I built up a little portfolio. So I always knew that there was something I was going to do, but I, I wasn't sure because when you when you get made redundant and you get redundancy money, you, you're not sure what you're doing because... Uh, you know that you need to get something, but you don't know what avenue to go. So when I spoke to a friend of mine, uh, Winstone, his name is, and I told him that I started something up, and but I was having a lot of problems. The problems were horrendous. Staff, spending so much money. 
I went to see him and I told him the problems. And I, I always say this, sometimes when people talk to you and you ask for advice, you just take it on board because you ask. It's like you asking me something and I'm telling you something and it's up to you to take it on board. So when I spoke to him, he said, um, you're buying work and you're hemorrhaging money. And I said, well, I just bought the van. And he said, get rid of everything. And I looked on him and I said, well, I just spent all this money. I'm doing this. And he said, what you're doing, you're buying work. And we had a long conversation. And in that conversation, I said to myself, it was one of the worst headaches I ever had in my life because the, 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 the intense of what he was telling me, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't want to hear because nobody wants to hear that they're failing. Nobody wants to hear that. So he said, the best thing to do is close it all down. And I said, well, I just started it all. I just got this fan. He said, listen, you're wasting your time. So I went home and I sat down and I had tears in my eyes. And I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, I did ask for the advice because um, I spoke to his son and he said, oh, speak to my dad. And I asked for the advice. And when somebody's giving you advice, sometimes you need to take it on. I know what you want to hear because most of us want to surround ourselves with yes people. Oh, yeah, you're doing right. And, and I said to myself, you know what? I asked for the advice. So the next day I closed and canceled everything, gave back the van because I had it on lease and everything. And I went back and I'd seen him and he said, this is how it's done like this. And then he had a small transport company and he, he couldn't do it no more because he had an accident. So I said, all right, then can I work with you? And he said, yeah, you know, you can work with me and I'll show you how it does. So I said about the shipping and then he um, said, all right, then I'll research it and everything. And that's when he came back to me and said, this is the best way you can do it and follow the rules. So I said, all right. And then I started it from there. And it was difficult in the beginning because like I said, you need to know certain things. And um, it was one of the hardest decisions I made because I didn't want to accept the truth. And sometimes it's hard to accept truth. You're wasting your money. You're doing things the wrong way. Nobody wants to hear that. Anyway, and it was hard. But like I said, I, I took it on board. And that's how it started for me, Wings International. And to this day, he helped me set up my paperwork. And he gave me a set of rules. And he said to me, if I follow these rules, I will never go wrong. And I have a set of rules I follow within the transport industry. And those rules were set up. Most companies all do it. Customer care. You, you If you're late or you know you're going to be late, you make a phone call to the customer and certain other things. And you follow it through. And as long as you keep the customer in the loop then you'll never go wrong because one thing customers always want is information are you going to be there at 10 o'clock are you going to be there at this certain time and once you know that because a lot of people work they they work unsocial hours they want their barrels picking up they've just finished work i don't know nine o'clock at night can you pick up their barrel at 10 o'clock and stuff like that? And as long as you can always work with a, uh, with the customers, with their kind of understanding, you'll never go far wrong. And that's what I've done and learned within the transport um, business. That is, is um, customer care is the most important thing. And if you can do that, same with any co um, company, um, if you um, do that, then you don't go far wrong. Yes, it's, it's it is fascinating um, how how you. I mean, that must have been. It's it's really interesting. I always like to to find out, you know, how a business starts, you know, um, and I think again, I can only go back to, uh, since uh, to COVID, and and what has happened in COVID, and how 
you know, the, the most important things to us now as people is, you know, getting our goods and services moved around, you know, that has become, you know, top priority when you're locked in your house and, 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 and you can't really go anywhere because you can't go to the shops, you can't yeah. go to these different things. So we really have to then start looking at and relying on our whole yeah. transportation system. How do what? things move around? You know, how does it all happen? It's so interesting, isn't it, Andrew? Yes, it is. What I've found in this COVID thing is, is two things has yes. come out to me in this COVID thing. We, we as a Caribbean nation need to get things right, right? Because we do rely on, because island, all islands are the same. It's technically you need it supplying and to supply your family. And what I find out, we need to get this um, priorities because what I've noticed from the UK to the Caribbean has been a lot more stuff being shipped out because a lot of the stuff are not getting to the islands and getting to the families. And a lot of people rely on, um, just rely on, anybody uh, big companies to look after you but what i'm finding with a lot of the big companies they're not dealing with a lot of the small islands someone like me i understand the small islands because i i i'm trying to get it in a way that i can supply all the caribbean islands with what they need and because i know i know about um the food industry the supply chain, that's what I'm trying to do. As with the covert, um, it's not so bad here in the UK because uh, you're gonna always be able to go to a supermarket. The only, the only time you get problems is when they panic buy, but it's always gonna be supplied. But with the Caribbean, it's a little bit different because you're relying on that ship each week. And if that ship don't turn up, then there's always gonna be a problem. So. I've been trying to get a lot more out and more information to the Caribbean islands to try to get them to um, buy more from, say, companies like Wings International, who will do the storage in a warehouse here in the UK and then transport it from here to the Caribbean because it's more it's more simpler. And what I'm getting to understand is the volumes what we deal with the caribbean market is a hundred million pound a year and the caribbean is not looking after herself they're, they're they're getting other people to look after them and what i'm trying to say to people you need to start looking within to start looking out so that you can start feeding your family and have a better a better food quality because you're always relying on somebody else to deliver the food for you. So if you know what you want, then get companies like Wings International. There is other companies out there to supply you in the Caribbean. That's what covert is talking yeah. that if we don't get this right, if it ever happens again, we're going to be in a bigger problem than what we are now. Yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting, I think, COVID, and, and it's also interesting, Andrew, talking to you about how the Caribbean relies on that shipment, doesn't it? It relies on yeah. ships going into the Caribbean and delivering the goods and, and services to it from all around the world, I, I, I would expect, yeah. isn't it? So the logistics yeah. of all that, you know, the, you know, the, the many different um, entities that are part of that, is quite fascinating because yeah. you know it like you said the barrel leaves the uk and then you said it goes does it go to the port of germany um yeah is that is so is that what happens yeah what happens is that uh, it leaves the uk and then it goes down to the port is either holland or um it depends what shipping line you're dealing with because uh, right. some of them uh, shipping lines, they own most of the ports or else they got contracts in the port. So it depends which, uh, it's like having a transport company and going to 
from one area to another. So it depends what um, contract you have with that area, with that um, um, warehouse. So it'll go down to other Hamburg, which is Germany, or it'll go to Holland. Those are the two big massive ports in Europe. So it'll go down to those islands, um, um, countries, and then it'll sell to the um, Caribbean. So yes, it depends. And the Caribbean, it, it, it owes a debt of gratitude to say the European market to keep having shipments to the Caribbean islands. And is a fascinating way of looking on it that we can do a lot more and be more self-sufficient. I believe that we can do, but it is a, 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 um, a, a uh, interesting way of shipping stuff from the UK to the Caribbean um, islands that is going down to Germany, Holland, then to the Caribbean. But it's it's like having a warehouse somewhere and everything comes to one warehouse, puts onto a big vehicle and then it's transported. And, and that's why it goes down into Europe because they have bigger ports and bigger ships and it makes uh, more supply chains savvy to put it on bigger items because then once you have bigger ships, then you get a lot more to the Caribbean islands. So once it goes onto the ship, Andrew, so once it leaves the UK waters, does it stay on the same ship throughout its whole journey uh, when it gets transported around uh, to, uh, past South America into the Caribbean? So, is it, so it's so once it's it's it stays on the ship, does it all that time? No, um, it probably go on two two ships. Sometimes it might go on three ships. Right. So what will happen is is it sail from um, London Gateway down to Hamburg, then it's put onto a um, put onto the quayside, the docks, and then you'll have another big superliner picking this picking the container up, sailing down to South America. But sometimes uh, it's is this mode of transport. It might go down to South America, and they've got to pick up. Say this, this give you a number. They've got to pick up two hundred, say containers for Europe. They can't come back to South America. So what they might do is take off some of the containers for the Caribbean islands and put it on quayside and then wait for the next ship or a smaller ship to pick it up and bring it to the Caribbean islands because they picked up 200 containers and those containers need to be in Europe. So by the time they sail up to oh, the Caribbean islands, yeah, so by the time they send it to the Caribbean islands, they can't come all the way backwards to pick up, say, I don't know, there might have been, um, I don't know, 37. They can't come and pick those back up. So they'll take 37 containers off for the Caribbean islands, put on the quayside and wait for the next ship. So sometimes you might have two or three ships. It's just like having a lorry going from Bristol to London, but it had to go into Swindon to pick up x amounts and they'll put those things on the, in the warehouse pick up everything for london and then when they come back again then pick up those items and that's how it's done so it's not always on that one ship because the ships coming out of the uk are average size as the ones going into germany are super liners so they're much massive and bigger Right, so, so you're sometimes. saying, see, I, I wasn't actually aware of that. So you're saying that London, London Gateway, um, has yeah. medium-sized ships, and, and it's actually Germany, which is quite interesting. And then you did say Amsterdam. Is is that where you yeah. can get the, they can take the super liners, uh, the big, um, you know, the big transportation yeah. ships? Yeah, those those um, those countries have big ports. They've always had big ports. Sorry. Um, uh, Holland's got one of the biggest ports because they do a lot of heavy lifting. Um, they're known for heavy lifting. So yes, uh, the Japanese, uh, the Chinese ships will come there and they they got the ports to handle that amount of cargo uh, because the amount of cargo what's in Europe going to South America 
is vast compared to the UK. The UK will have cargo, but it's not vast enough like Europe. Europe is a big place, you know, because some of the other countries are landlocked. So they have to come to um, ports. So Holland is a main port and then Germany. So you'll have certain countries where because they're landlocked, they have to sell to the nearest port to, to them. So I don't know if I don't know, um, say uh, on the other side of Germany, you those countries would need it to come to Germany to for it to go to South America. That's why you see a lot of containers on the road because they need to be at certain docks because like I said, the ships can't um, go around to smaller docks picking up. You can't do that because the ships are too big. And you need um, certain, uh, it needs to be dredged. In other words, because they're so big uh, and, this, uh, and the sea comes in and brings it all in the dirt. So you have to be careful that the ships don't scrape on the ground. That's why it always needs to be dredged. It's called dredging. So you need to take the mud out. With these big super liners, because uh, these big ports have that, um clear way and it's so deep there that's why they can come in and come out with ease go straight on to the high seas because once you come out to germany you can go straight on to the high seas and with um with holland um some of the other smaller ports you can't do that no i mean that is really interesting because um another thing that you've, you've made me aware of in, in this particular podcast was that um, ports are really important, isn't it? So, and if a country is landlocked, uh, they to get their goods and services out, they have to all head uh, to a port. Yes. To a logistics centre. Yes. Yes. Um, most yeah. got, there is a few countries. If you look at the map of the world, uh, most countries, um, you know, are landlocked. So there's there's a treaty because obviously most countries are not going to say, well, you can't come in. But there's a treaty with a lot of the countries where if it's going on to the port, there's a treaty for like a gateway for you to drive from a certain one country to a nether. And most of the containers are owned by the shipping line. Um, in other words, it's to say CMA. They own, I don't know, they got like 40,000 containers. That's why sometimes... With containers, you have certain amount of time to load it because it has to be on that ship. So you would get a certain amount of time. It's booked for that ship going to that country. So you will see so many containers on the road going to, say, I don't know, Portsmouth, Southampton, because that ship will be coming in at a certain time. And if that container is not um, there, then it misses its sailing time. And by the time that ship comes all the way back round, it would have been a month would have gone or whatever. So that's why you see so many containers um, going from one place to another because they need to be at that port at that time to go to that country. So it's a unique supply chain. That's why I say most container is done on a kind of a barcode and if you look at the container at the back, at the top right-hand corner, there is a code. And some uh, shipping line, you, you, if you've got access, you can uh, log in that number and see where that container is going in the world. Oh, so you can actually track it like a like a, a postal system. So, like if you tr if you do recorded delivery uh, for say post. Yes. Uh, you can go online and you can track it. So are you saying you can do that with your container as well? Yes, yes, you can. You can track your container. It depends who the container belongs to. CMA, um, what's that? MS, uh, MS, uh, what's that? Mediterranean Shipping Service, MSS. So yes, you can go on their um, port, um, ports, um, port website and then put in that number. If it belongs to them, you can see where that container is going in the world because as a freight forwarder, you need to know where your container is in the world. So you might be shipping something to the Caribbean and say Jamaica, and it might be late. And then because I got the number of the container, I can go on, on, on their website 
and say where that container and it'll show me where it is in the world. So I can go on now. I've got a couple of containers on the high seas so I can see where it is in the world or when it's going to be an estimated time of it landing in Jamaica. So it might say, well, it'd be there on Sunday at Sunday. It won't sort of specifically give you a time, but it'll be there on Sunday. So at least, you know, by Tuesday, Wednesday, you know that you're having access to the goods uh, once it clears customs. So you can track your well, containers anywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, Andrew, look, I, I I can't believe we've nearly done an hour uh, of this particular podcast, <laughs> and it's I know yeah. I mean time has flown by so so much, and I just wanted to know would you be interested in, in coming back um, and doing another podcast with us? Because I think what we would really like to know uh, would be um, when it gets to I mean because the journey of the um, of, of the freight and you know we've learned so much today but then what happens on the other side you know so what happens if if somebody's getting a door-to-door -door service and the logistics of yeah. that and obviously you've got the customs and you've got you know I'm, I'm sure there are many many other areas that you could enlighten us what you can talk about on your next podcast yeah yeah i don't i don't i don't mind um that's what i was saying to you earlier when we started i said sometimes i jump from one subject to another you know and that's what i was on about because i do kind of jump from one thing to another but yeah if you want me to I, it's fascinating to that because there is some stuff out there i i do have and I, I I would like the um, customers to know how how it's done, and um, with the Caribbean islands and stuff. I I would like that. It's, it's fascinating because I do a like I said I do a lot of shipping. I it's not just barrels. I do I do vehicles. I do anything and everything. To be honest, right. it depends what you want in the Caribbean, and I I sort it all out. I'm more of a bespoke business because I take it passionate that you you're giving me the honor of shipping your items and it's not your money i want is your business i just want and i love doing the job I've, I've always loved doing transportation is a is a field i've always loved i've never wanted to do anything else to be honest 